Hey, welcome to this episode of Light 'em Up. We take a deep dive on leadership, the criminal justice system, and crime scene investigation. We enlighten, educate, and empower others with the truth. Like it or not, the truth disturbs, the truth divides, but ultimately, the truth delivers. I'm your host, Phil Rizzo. I'm the principal owner of Rizzo's Protective Group. We are a high-risk security consulting firm headquartered out of Akron, Ohio. Today we take a sneak peek into the Italian mob, the Mafia, also known as La Cosa Nostra, or as abbreviated in every indictment in U.S. Federal District Court, LCN, La Cosa Nostra, which translates from Italian to English as Our Thing. Hey, Light'em Up has obtained exclusive Title III wiretap recordings of former Gambino mob family boss John Gotti. We've cleaned this audio up even more than the FBI for you to hear directly from the Dapper Don as he swears his allegiance to La Cosa Nostra. Games with kidding type. I'm on the move for clans, I'm on the move for gangs, I'm on the move for none of that stuff there. This is going to be a Cosa Nostra for life and die. Be an hour from now, be it tonight, or a hundred years from now, I'm in jail. It's going to be a Cosa Nostra. They're going to be much your friends going to be friends of ours, much the same friends going to be friends of ours. It's going to be the way I say so, it's going to be a Cosa Nostra. A Cosa Nostra. You might, because of that is nice to you, and I'm not controlling by you. I'm just saying, you might be that to your best, and makes me a good guy. It makes him a motherfucker, I mean, I'm a good guy. It makes him a good guy when he's one of us, and he proves he's one of us. And I'm the best judge that I think right now. So, you got a reason why you say it. I love you to say it, and that's not the point. This thing here, I'm not so sure the five guys that I'm putting in, out of 45 guys, it should be home. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. We have the secret fucking parties and people won't be around. That we don't want and that we don't need. That's for sure. I want to see that. I got to see that from the side. I don't know the last year. How many of you guys come from tell me actual salary that trouble? How many? I don't need that. I ain't got no trouble. I ain't got no trouble. I'm going to be all right. They got no trouble. I don't need the cops. I need the people. The people who made this a joke. You know what I mean? That's not a fucking joke. I mean, um, guys, even, even, even some, of the, some of the people downstairs now, you know, I know who's fucking some of this rock. I know some game. I can smell the way it goes since the other guys up there. Since their appearance in the 1800s, Italian organized crime groups, broadly known as the Mafia, have infiltrated the social and economic fabric of Italy and have become transnational in nature. Unlike the U.S. mob, which we will shortly see was based on family, or La Familia in Italiano, the Sicilian Mafia was rooted in the land, La Terra, and organized around a specific place, Corleone, Prizzi, etc. Eventually, the Mafia groups in these places built bridges from the villages to the major cities like Palermo and Catania. The Sicilian Cosa Nostra was always more intrinsic to the structure of society than its American cousins. It developed because the state was ineffective in Sicily and the people repeatedly conquered by outsiders never expected to receive justice from the system. They looked to the charismatic uomini di respetto, men of respect, to perform the functions that governments did elsewhere 
in Europe. If your daughter was raped, you look to a man of respect for help rather than to a distant foreign police force. If you're Sicilian, Siciliano, vengeance isn't God's, it's yours to exact. As every ethnic group in the U.S. has had to do to help ensure its own protection, it has had to band together. Here are some concepts to help keep you alive. These apply if you are a wise guy or not. A fish with his mouth closed never gets caught, capiche? So when you see something, you need to shut your mouth. If you see something that you don't like, turn around. If you hear things that don't belong to you, don't hear them. If you don't want to wake up dead, you do what you're told and you mind your own business. That's most of the rules that will help keep you alive and keep you from sleeping with the fishes or getting whacked. Here's a new acronym for you, TOC. That stands for Transnational Organized Crime. Transnational Organized Crime is defined as organized crime coordinated across national borders involving groups or markets of individuals working in more than one country to plan and execute illegal business ventures. In order to achieve these goals, these criminal groups use systematic violence and corruption. Transnational organized crime, or TOC groups, are self-perpetuating associations of individuals who operate wholly or in part by illegal means and, as I mentioned earlier, regardless of geography. They constantly seek to obtain power, influence, and monetary gains. Be certain of this fact. The mob peddles in transnational organized crime. These organizations often engage in multiple criminal activities and have extensive supporting networks. The terms organized crime and criminal enterprise are similar and often used synonymously. However, as we'll see later, various federal criminal statutes specifically define the elements of an enterprise that need to be proven in order to convict individuals or groups of individuals under these statutes. Now, for my criminal justice students listening, remember always, you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt every element charged in a case. The RICO statute, or Title 18 of the United States Code, Section 1961, Subsection 4, which we'll discuss in more detail in a few minutes, defines an enterprise as any individual, partnership, corporation, association, or other legal entity, and any union or group of individuals associated in fact, although not a legal entity. The FBI defines a criminal enterprise as a group of individuals with an identified hierarchy or comparable structure engaged in significant criminal activity. Originally, there were five crime families, all based in New York City. Hey, what do you know? Can you name the original five mafia crime families? Okay, I'll help you out. Bonanno, Colombo, Genovese, Gambino, and Lucchese. We'll say that again really quick. Bonanno, Colombo, Genovese, Gambino, 
and Lucchese. Actually, the feds now list the sixth. One over the bridge in New Jersey, the Decca Valcante family. And to be completely transparent, the original five has expanded to a total of seven with the Patriarca crime family. The Patriarca crime family, also known as the New England Mafia from the Boston and Providence, Rhode Island areas in New England. These families indeed had a hierarchy. A local organized crime group was referred to as a family, La Familia. The head of the family is known as the Don. Heads of the families met in what was called the Copola, Copola, or Commission. The legal advisor to the family boss is a consigliere. That's right, consigliere. A lieutenant was known as a caporegime, caporegime, and a run-of-the-mill member is known as a soldier. Giuseppe Esposito was the first known Sicilian Mafia member to emigrate to the U.S. He and six other Sicilians fled to New York after murdering the Chancellor and the Vice-Chancellor of a Sicilian province and 11 wealthy landowners. He was arrested in New Orleans in 1881 and extradited to Italy. In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, Italians migrated to the Americas in large, large numbers. Italians were not liked very much in this country, Sicilians especially. In immigration paperwork at the start of the 1900s, they were referred to as swarthy. Defined by Merriam-Webster as of a dark color, complexion, or caste, I doubt very much you could refer to any group of people with such a term in 2020 and get away with it. As a matter of fact, there was a time when Italians were looked upon as being worse than scum or rats and loathed in this country. As beloved as Italian cuisine, sports cars, and fashion are on our shores today, Things were different during the first half of the 20th century, especially during World War II. Swept up in xenophobic hysteria, Italians' movements were restricted, their homes raided. In some cases, they were interned. 600,000 Italian immigrants were forced to carry enemy alien identity papers, a requirement similar to the dehumanizing registration system used by Nazis to track Jews and eerily close to present-day U.S. immigration enforcement practices where failing to swiftly provide proof of residency can put you on the next plane to danger in your home country. Sicilians are taught in the cradle that they must aid each other, side with their friends, and fight the common enemies, even when the friends are wrong and the enemies are right, defending his and or the family's dignity at all costs, and never allow the smallest slight and insult to go unavenged. The American Mafia has evolved over the years in this environment. Some of the more prominent mafiosi 
you may be familiar with include Al Capone and John Gotti. Lesser known, but some may argue, even more influential are three of the people who broke the fabled Mafia Code of Silence and shined an invaluable light for law enforcement agencies to help bring transnational organized crime under control. Joseph Valachi, Tommaso Buscetta, and Sammy the Bull Gravano. In the eyes of the mob, these men are cheese-eating rats. By 1928, the New Yorker magazine had already dubbed Capone the greatest gang leader in history, even during his lifetime. His brutality was legendary. It was widely known, though almost impossible to prove, that he engineered dozens of murders. He escalated gangland warfare to establish Chicago's supremacy over his native Brooklyn, and he operated profitable prostitution rings and speakeasies. Constant surveillance neither drove him out nor prevented him from orchestrating what would become his most notorious deed, the Valentine's Day Massacre. In Chicago in 1929, the execution-style murder in which several rival gang gangsters were killed by Capone's henchmen could never be pinned on Capone officially. He was in Miami at the time, being questioned in another unrelated murder investigation. The massacre elevated Capone's celebrity and he went so far as to hire a press agent, if you can believe that. <laughs> in 1931, the U.S. Treasury Department was only able to arrest Al Capone on tax evasion charges, with all the people he killed and ordered to be killed. But the kicker is, the charge was good enough and it stuck taking Scarface, Al Capone, out of circulation for good. He ultimately ended up at The Rock, Alcatraz, after serving almost a pound, 11 years. He was released from prison due to his diagnosis of syphilis on the brain, given to him in February of 1938. Capone was released on November 16, 1939, on the grounds of good behavior. <laughs> Go figure that. Al Capone, good behavior. His condition worsened, and he died in Florida on January 24, 1947. Scarface was only 47 years old. John Gotti. He was slippery, yes, but even he couldn't escape justice forever. Despite the future nickname, the Teflon Don, John Gotti, a violent, ruthless mobster who had grown up on the streets of New York, had been in and out of prison several times in his early career. In 1968, for example, he was arrested for his role in a plot to steal thousands of dollars worth of merchandise. Gotti was sent to prison, but he was released in 1972 and quickly made more trouble. Within two years, the FBI had arrested him again for murder. Same story. He went to prison and was out in a few years. Soon after, he became a made man, a wise guy, for the Gambino family, one of the five most powerful syndicates in the Big Apple. Gambling, loan sharking, and narcotics trafficking were his stocks in trade. At one point, the mafia was supplying close to half of the heroin smuggled into the U.S. between 1976 and 1980. An estimated $600 million worth was shipped into the U.S. By the 
early 80s using Title III wiretaps, mob informants, and undercover agents. Law enforcement agencies were beginning to get clear insights into the Gambino family's hierarchy and activities, and into other families as well, and were building strong cases against them as criminal enterprises. A break against Gotti came in late 1985, when mob violence spilled out onto the streets of Manhattan. In the struggle for power, in life, and in the mob, there's always going to be the issue of the double cross, what I like to call the double cross of Ruski, where you win somebody's trust initially, but then break that trust to benefit yourself. How many times has that happened to us in our own life? It was the double cross that ultimately not only took down John Gotti, but has also fundamentally changed the balance of power in the ongoing struggle to defeat organized crime worldwide. In 1963, the U.S. Department of Justice announced an extraordinary breakthrough in intelligence on organized crime. Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy asserted that disclosures by the then federal prisoner Joseph Valachi had revealed for the first time the whole picture of organized crime. Valachi was an insider, a made guy, and a knowledgeable member of the racketeering hierarchy who had broken the underworld's Code of Silence, or Omerta, which is Italian slang for code of silence. This code of silence was mainly used in southern Italy and Sicily. The term is used by la cosa nostra, meaning to the death you maintain the code of silence. You never speak to police or prosecutors. Any problems you have with anyone, you handle it yourself, if need be. Valachi testified for days in length and in depth on the mafia's organizational structure, initiation rites, which included sacred oaths, bloodletting, and specifics as to its criminal activity and operations. Overnight, Joseph Valachi, an insignificant underworld character, became an international celebrity whose testimony before a U.S. Senate subcommittee was widely accepted as the gospel on the mafia. The next of i pentiti, the penitents, we need to mention is Thomas Buscetta. Buscetta, a longtime picciotto, or soldier, in La Cosa Nostra, eventually ran afoul of the Corleone faction, which had his son, son-in-law, brother, nephew, and a dozen other relatives relatives killed. In Italian, the word son is filio, son-in-law is genero, brother is fratello, nephew is nipote. In the mid-1980s, he revealed the inner workings of the mafia to the U.S. and Italian authorities, giving vital testimony during the mass prosecution known as the Maxi Trial, which began on February 10, 1986, and ran until the verdicts were issued on December 16, 1987, when 19 of the most important mafia bosses received life sentences. But the Maxi trial by no means ended the Mafia. Then there's Sammy the Bull Gravano, the underboss to John Gotti of the Gambino family, admitted to 19 murders, implicating Gotti in four of them. On the witness stand, Gravano ratted out and confirmed Gotti's place in the structure of the Gambino family and described in detail the conspiracy to assassinate mob boss Paul Castellano, given a full description of the hit and its aftermath. On June 23rd, 19 Gotti was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole and a $250,000 fine. And he died in prison of cancer on June.
June 10th, 2002, at the age of 61. Today, most of the Mafia's activities are contained to the northeastern United States and Chicago, where they continue to dominate organized crime despite the increasing numbers of other crime groups. As we've seen for decades, Mafia operations can negatively impact our economy, not only through a wide array of fraud schemes, but also through the illegal imposition of mob taxes at our ports of entry, in our construction industries, and our small businesses. Some believe organized crime is a thing of the past. Unfortunately, there's still people who extort, intimidate, and victimize innocent Americans. The costs that legitimate businesses are forced to pay are ultimately borne by American consumers nationwide. Crimes that the mob are readily involved in relate to a wide range of alleged illegal activity, including murder, murder conspiracy, loan sharking, arson, prostitution, narcotics trafficking, extortion, robbery, illegal gambling, and labor racketeering, in some cases occurring over decades in time. The government in the effort of breaking the back of the mob came up with the RICO statutes. RICO stands for Racketeering, Influenced, and Corrupt Organizations. The charges of RICO conspiracy and committing violent crimes in aid of racketeering each provide a sentence of up to 20 years in prison, three years of supervised release, and a fine of $250,000. The charges of conspiracy to distribute controlled substances and possession with intent to distribute controlled substances each provide for a sentence of up to 20 years in prison, three years of supervised release, and a fine of $1 million. The charge of possession of a firearm in furtherance of a drug trafficking crime provides a mandatory consecutive sentence of five years in prison, up to life of supervised release, and a fine of $250,000. The charge of crossing state lines for the purposes of prostitution provides a sentence of up to 10 years in prison, three years of supervised release, and a fine of $250,000. Sentences are imposed by a federal district court judge based on the U.S. sentencing guidelines and other statutory factors. These laws were designed to take you out of commission completely. They're tough and they have teeth to them. No genre has influenced the public's perception of criminals more than gangster movies. From classic movies like The Godfather, Goodfellas, and the TV series The Sopranos, everybody likes a good mob story. After all, who knows where Jimmy Hoffa is buried? While these movies glorify the mob life, for the mob's many victims and normal people living where the mob runs rampant, the mafia is nothing to celebrate. In the words of longtime Palermo mayor Leo Luca Orlando, the mafia destroys liberty, mortifies democracy, makes economic development impossible, and kills the very concept of citizenship. When such tyrannies are finally broken, the human spirit blossoms. A. Hey, the fact of the matter is this. Death is the great equalizer. 
death has settled the differences that these mobsters had in life. Hey, this has been a brief look at the Italian mob for Light 'em Up. I hope you learned at least one thing that you previously didn't know about the mob. Hey, I'm Phil Rizzo for all of us here on the production crew and behind the scenes for Light 'em Up. We want to say mille grazie and ciao for now. Thanks for listening.